I'm taking a, a Sunday just to do what I want to do. Huh? So it's going to be fun. So, uh, and next week we're starting a brand new series. You maybe saw the video coming up there called Love Like Jesus. And it'll take us up to Easter. But what I really felt I'd like to do today, and uh, you're going to be thinking, oh, really, did I come for that today? Here, let me just give you it out there, before, and then you can make your choice whether you want to leave the building now or not. It's not money. Don't worry. We're not going to talk about money. Um, we are going to talk about fasting. I, I thought that's the exact response that I thought we would get today. Uh, something weird happened yesterday. I, th- I was driving down to Newell Stores. Uh, Today's uh, message is brought to you by Neil Stores. Um, and as I was heading down to Cole Island, um, it, it just shows you the power of your, your, your thinking. Eh? And so I'm driving down, and, and I'm thinking, I'm not talking about fasting. That's just dumb. Nobody wants to come out of the cold for a week of making it up that hill in, in the freezing cold weather, and then they're going to hear me talking about fasting. But then it twigged on. The reason I was struggling so much was because I was heading for a fry. And the more you think about it, the more it is, it's hard. But so today's topic or conversation is, are you guys collecting money or what are you doing? Oh, people are just taking their time. That's good. Don't, don't rush them. Please do not rush, rush them at all. So today's conversation, I'm going to give it a title. It's called Breakthrough. Anybody need a breakthrough today? In your life, in your family. We need a breakthrough in our nation. We need a breakthrough in our town. Uh, all of us need some kind of breakthrough, and God is a God of breakthrough. And so today's conversation is less about fasting, though it's part of it, and it's all about breakthrough. And I sense the Holy Spirit wants to do that today. He wants to bring freedom, and He wants to bring breakthrough. And so the subject is, is probably one that we don't hear a lot about. Um, and, uh, and I struggle with it because I find eating way much more fun than fasting, to be truthful with you. As you can see, you may argue differently and think I fast five days a week and eat two. No, I don't. I just keep myself in good shape. So that's why I look like this. So, so when we talk about this, this might be a struggle for some of you. It might be brand new. But please keep your heart, keep your mind open because this is something that Jesus talked more about than he talked about baptism. And we're going to have a baptism celebration on Easter Sunday morning. So if you want to get baptized, it's a great day to do that. And if you are thinking of a spontaneous plan, baptism, it's on Sunday, Easter Sunday, if you're doing a spontaneous one. Okay, there you go. It's out there for you. But Jesus talked more about fasting than he did at baptism. And actually, he talked more about fasting than he did the Lord's Supper. But here's the thing. In all my times of doing church, and when we have a get-together, and by the way, I'm not... uh, having to go to anybody, we always say, what, bring your questions to our roadmap. And the one question that's commonly given to me is, when do we do the Lord's Supper? I mean, when do we do communion? And just for your, for your info, all throughout the, the Easter series called Love Like Jesus, we're going to be doing communion, having communion every Sunday for the next three weeks up to Easter. So we're, we're going to enjoy that. But I've never heard anybody come up to me and say, hey, Jason, when do we get to do the fasting? How often does this church fast? I've never had that question. It's always been, when do we take communion? And yet Jesus talks more about this than, than anything else. And so one day Jesus withdraws to deliver his manifesto of the kingdom to his disciples. And he, he takes them up to a mountainside. And so the, cl- the crowds, are, they weren't excluded there. They follow Jesus. Jesus is just so attractive. Everywhere Jesus was, there was crowds of people. 
always crowds of people because he was, he was irresistible. He was, his message was irresistible. It was revolutionary at the time. And the message in our counterculture today is still revolutionary. It's a message of love. It's a message of forgiveness. It's a message of freedom. It's a message of new life. It's a good, good message that we still have and a gospel that we want to take care of and deliver. So he takes them up to the mountainside and the crowds weren't excluded. And he sits down like any rabbi would at that time. And he begins a conversation. And then we get to this part. And he talks about three traditions, three, three practices, devotions, prayer, giving to the poor, and fasting. And so in our Western mind, we, we would segment those conversations. We would say, prayer, that was one part, giving to the poor, and then that other thing called fasting. But not so, because this is one conversation. This is one thing. It's, it's all together. It's more like a milkshake than it is a grapefruit. It's not segmented. It's, it's just all part of Jesus' teaching on that month. So he's saying, like, we, we pray, and, and part of the prayer is fasting, and part of the fasting is, is our, our giving to the poor and remembering the poor and those who are marginalized. And so that's how Jesus begins his conversation. And so in Matthew 6, 16 to 18, are we okay? Nobody's left? Nobody noticed anybody leaving yet? <laughs> I haven't put new stores in your mind, have I? They do a really good Sunday lunch. When you fast, do you ever read something uh, in the Bible and you think, it's a typo? It's type wrong, but then you actually pick it up right. Have you ever done that? No, just me. I, I do that quite a bit. I, it's like, you've just read, oh, they've, they've made a mistake here. It's a typo, and then you, but you know, it, it's not like that. This is, the scripture is written by the hand of man, but the breath of God. So it's good. All right? It's phenomenal. We, we love scripture here in the vineyard. So we, when we read it, we, I read this, if you fast. I don't know about you, but that's how I read it. If you fast. Jesus isn't saying that. It's, it's, again, it's written by the hand of man, but the breath of God. He says, when you. So if you pray, if, if you're a praying person, no, Jesus says, when you pray. And he goes on and instructs him, instructs him and he says, um, when you fast. It's a, it's a taking it for granted. Do not look somber as hypocrites do. For they disfigure their face to show men their fast. And I tell you the truth, they have received the reward in full. But when you fast, like when you take communion, like when you get baptized as a follower of Jesus Christ, like when you give your tithes and your finances, when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your, back, your face, sorry, <laughs> so that it will not be obvious to men that you're fasting but only to your father who is unseen. And your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Breakthrough, 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 and rescue. And so Richard Foster says that the primary purpose of fasting is that we feast on God. Isn't that good? We fast in order so that we can feast on God. And that's what I want you to remember this morning. That's what I want you to hear. You may come to the recognition in your life, that every pore of your being is stuffed full of all kinds of stuff. Do you ever feel like that? It's not just your, it's not just your diary that's full, it's your pores feel full, your, your life feels stocked up on, on nonsense and rubbish and materialism and, and, and everything, and it's, it's, it, it becomes all-consuming. It's not even just that our schedule is busy, but our, our actual physical being feels the the, the, just the pressure of life, of the to-do list and the, the ever-fast-moving pace of life. 
right? You may come to that recognition this morning. You're just stuffed with entertainment. You're stuffed with food. I, I've come to realize I don't even eat when I'm hungry. I just eat when I, I remember. And I remember quite a lot. You know, we're just stuffed with entertainment. We're stuffed with food and possessions. And you know what? We're stuffed with anxieties. We're, we're riddled with anxiety. And as a result of being stuffed to the brim, here's what happens to, to everybody, not just people that follow Jesus, but people that don't follow Jesus. And this is the problem in the Western world. This is one of the main reasons why so many live without Jesus is that we have so much stuff that our hearts are dull to the voice of God. And not just the voice of God, but we're dull to the power of God to see breakthrough and, and God come in and do stuff. And we're dull to God's will and we're dull to God's purposes in our life. And that's why so many of us, we can get on without Jesus. And, and I threw that out this morning thinking that somebody today would say yes to Jesus. But maybe we're just, maybe you're just doing fine. Maybe life is okay and you can do it without Jesus. But it's more than that. It's more than just being fine. It's more than just being able to manage. Jesus is way more than that. He's, he's exciting and he's exhilarating and he's your friend and he's the one that wants to be your best friend. He's the creator of the universe. He wants to come into your life and show you how to live life well. The life that is truly life, not the life that Western culture makes up for us or the American dream that's been uh, imposed upon us time after time and century after century. We need to get it the God way, the God for you. And the way that we do that is we fast and we feast on God. Does that make sense? I hope it does. So why? Why would you do such a bizarre thing? Why would you starve yourself in order to create a little more room for God simply? Just in order to create a little more room for God and to unhook from the world, to unhook from society. And that doesn't mean we go weird and we become hermits or, or nuns or anything they got there. Um, we, we don't want to do that, but we want to unhook from all the stuff. It's stuff in our pores that Dulls, our dulls God's voice and we miss out what he's doing and we can't even see the power of God and he wants to break in but so often we're just so trans, transfixed and on all that's going on around us and so it's good to unhook. It's good to unhook, right? You, you deliberately abstain from some things that are making you dull. What's making you dull? And by the way, this morning, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not against some, some of the things that I'm going to talk about. In fact, I enjoy all these things but sometimes they make us dull like, TV. TV makes you dull sometimes. I mean, just watch EastEnders. I watch it once every three years. It's not hard to pick up in the story. It's not that deep. It is dull. Listening to the radio in your car, just the noise, the noise, the selling, the, all the stuff that goes on Netflix, videos. Obviously, we joke. <laughs> Nobody call it. Betamax and VHS and be kind and rewind. Do you remember doing that? Remember panicking because you didn't rewind it and your dad sent you into the video shop with it and you knew it wasn't rewinded? Remember that, Blackie? And sex and food. All that stuff we fast in order to feast upon God. Could we pray? Let's just pray right now. God, would you come? God, would you make the scripture alive that we're just about to read, God? And would you, God, just change the way that we think so that our, your voice is the loudest in our lives, Jesus, so that you can break in because you want to break in and you want to create 
better life for all of us in our society in this town, our families and our friends, Jesus, and the relationships that you've, you've put us in touch with, God. You're so kind in your ways. You're way smarter than our ways. And we would just love your wisdom this morning, God. So we are going to try and unhook from the chaos to Christ so that we would know your voice and know your ways and live the life that is truly life and find life to its fullness. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. One of my favorite passages of Scripture, one of the Scriptures that mark this church, is Isaiah 58. Uh, let's stand as we read ancient Scripture this morning, just to not be religious, but to honor it and to, uh, just as a posture of receiving it, if that makes sense. Shout to the Lord, do not hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their rebellion and to the house of Jacob their sins. For day after day they seek me out, they seem eager to know my ways, as if they were a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the commands of its God. They ask me for just decisions and seem eager for God to come near them. And why have we fasted, they say, and you've not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you've not noticed? Yet on the day of your fasting, you do as you please and you exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Is this the kind of fast that I have chosen? Only a day for a man to humble himself? Is it only for bowing one head like a reed and for lying in sackcloth and ashes? Is this what you call a fast? A day acceptable to God? This is the word of the Lord. It's given to us in love and it's absolutely true. You may be seated. If you were to break down this text, you might say that verses 1 to 5 are bad reasons to fast. And we all love bad reasons to fast, don't we? <laughs> right? So this is the fun part. There's bad reasons to fast. What are the reasons that we, we fast or don't fast? And there's a major problem here. There's a major problem, and it's re religion without reality. It's religion without reality. This is what Isaiah is accusing the people of in chapter 58. He's saying they're going through the motions of religion, but it's all pretense. It's all surface. It's all appearance, right? And verse 2 says, for day after day they seek me out. They seem eager. Looks good. It seem, they seem eager to, to know my ways as if... They were a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the commands of God. They asked me for just decisions and they seem eager for God to come near. The word there, those two words, seem eager, is all important. And they say it twice. And he also uses the phrase, as if. As if. As if they were a nation that does what is right. The key words seem and, and if. They're not truly eager to know God's way. They, they merely appear to be eager. That's what the scripture's saying. They're they're playing about. They're, they're not a nation that does what's right. They pretend to be a nation that does what, right, does what is right. And, and so I, I, one of the things that I want to uh, probably keep going after and as I lead this church with Michelle and with all you great leaders and, uh, and families that come and join us, one of the things that I want to pr pretty much go after all the time is to distinguish the, the difference between religion versus Christianity. And there's a huge difference, and I know that you hear me banging on about it all the time, but I had an interesting conversation in the car with, with one of my friends yesterday. He's not yet a Christ follower. Um, me and him have many debates, and, and, and it bothered him yesterday. I, he was nearly agitated with me in the car. 
And he says, what is the difference? You keep talking that you're not religious. What is the difference between, what is, what is religion? Why are you so anti-religion? And, and so I try to explain that because religion affects our view of, of God and people and our relationships. It's, it's damaging. It, it, it affects how we approach conflict. But relationship with Christ, it changes absolutely everything. It changes how we look at conflict in the world, how we look at Syria, how we look at refugee crisis. It changes how we look at, are we ready to forgive? Oh, that, that does all that. See, with religion, you can hide behind all the pretense and all the eager to do and seem to do, but you can box your way and make excuses, and, and you can be the most unforgiving person in the world and be the most religious person in the world. You can uh, be involved in conflict and, and few conflict in a whole uh, other way, in a way that's not helpful at all, and, and mask it around religion. Because I want to say that, yeah, religion is not helpful. It's not helpful. Does religion screw society up? Yes, religion does. Is religion the reason for wars and rumors of wars? Yes, unfortunately, religion is, but Christ is not. And in a relationship with Jesus Christ, everything changes. Perception changes. Attitude changes. How we perceive people in society, it all changes around the message and around relationship with Jesus Christ. Does that make sense to you? I ain't selling religion. We're all stocked up in religion. But we need Christ. We need the freedom of Jesus. And this is what he talks about. De-hook. Unhook yourself from society. Unhook yourself from the ways of, of just pressure and your pores being full of stuff all the time. And come and hear the voice of God. Come and feast in God. And then reality changes. Reality just doesn't change for you. Actually, reality changes for, for, for relationships and also for regions and people. That's what God loves to do. So how does that work? Are you more, can I ask you, this is how you know you're religious or if you've got relationship with Jesus, if he set you free, do you find it easy to forgive people? Or let me, let me just, just make it a little easier. Let me put the bar just a little lower for you, okay? Are you okay with giving somebody the benefit of the doubt? Does that sound easier? Are you okay with that? But see, I don't know, but we've just become a more and more we don't even give people the benefit of the doubt anymore. We're harsh when we're religious. People are harsh. Have you ever come across churches and people that are religious? I don't want you thinking about a church. Sorry, that's not helpful. But people that are religious, they're harsh, judgmental, not cool, not fun to be about. And how about, how about your relationship with Christ? Does it affect your approach to money? Marriage. Because it affects everything in our life. Guys, we're not sitting here and I'm not feeding you some sort of get help stuff here on a, on a Sunday morning or Michelle or whoever comes up to speak. This is about affecting all of your life. This, this should, you, when you encounter Christ, you encounter Christ and you, you bring him in, you physically bring him into every area of your life. Every sphere of your life, every, every room in your life. That means your marriage, your work, your friendships, your finances. God should affect how you think about life. Right? Sorry, I seem to be having way too much conversation with the side of the room, and then you all feel left out. Fasting is wrong when it's tick the box of a religious list. That's when it's wrong. You got it? It's wrong when it's that. God hates religion. He hates a religious form without substance. And Jesus takes aim at a pharisaical religion. He always took aim at a pharisaical religion. He tells us that he hates playing to the gallery of spirituality. He doesn't do it. Do you, have you read the scriptures? Have you seen the narrative and the story of God? He doesn't play. He doesn't play to the gallery, spirituality. He doesn't play to that. He goes about it 
He goes out of his way sometimes to offend. In fact, I was sitting in the car with my friend yesterday, and I tried to explain it this way. I said, you know that Jesus never once told people that weren't religious to go to hell. Do you know the only people that he talks about hell with? Are the religious people, the pharisaical people, the people that are ticking the boxes and, and doing all that stuff. And I know that's maybe a whole different conversation, so let's just park that one there. But he hates religion, and he doesn't play to the gallery, spirituality. What Jesus wants and what the world is looking for, let me tell you, this is what society wants. The, church is no pro- the world has no problem with Christ, I guarantee you that. Let me just make that plain and clear. If you're thinking, oh, my friends will be offended with Jesus. No, nobody is offended with Jesus. Jesus makes all things new. He brings women out of uh, uh, slavery. He brings slaves out of slavery. He brings people out of sex trafficking. He brings people out of bondage. He brings people out of addiction. Jesus brings the best out of people. When you bring Jesus into your life, you bring the best into your life. When you don't bring Jesus into your life, you lose the best of your life. The world is okay with Jesus. They're not okay with religion. And you know what they're crying for? You know what they're dying for? Authenticity. The church needs to be the most authentic thing on the face of the earth. Not to be afraid of our vulnerability. Not to be afraid of our doubts, what we don't know. But just give them Jesus. Give them authenticity. They don't want sales pitch. This world is is stocked up in sales pitch. People are dying for authenticity in a world of sales pitch, aren't they? At least I think so. And I want to tell you something about Vineyard Church Dungannon. Yeah, it is Dungannon. One of our highest values here at Vineyard Church Dungannon is authenticity. So I'm never going to play the pastor with you. We're never going to do the hierarchy thing. We're never going to be slick, unfortunately. I do like slick, but we're not that slick. We don't do shiny. We don't do glitz. We don't do hype. We don't do spiritual talk. We don't do spiritual talk. You don't talk like that on a Monday morning in the tea room. You talk about life. You talk about real stuff. You talk about the pain that everybody else has gone through. You're not separated from society. You don't live in a bubble. People in your world, in your society, and your friendships, and your relationships, and your workplace, they do not need religious talk. They need God talk. They need gospel talk. They need good news in a world where there seems to be no good news at all. They need good news where there seems to be poverty. They need good news where there seems to be abuse. They need good news where there seems to be diagnosis every week of cancer. People are crying out for good news. They don't need spirituality. They don't need you to play the Christian. They need you to be real. And so our church is committed here at Vineyard Church in Ghana. This is all to do with fasting, right? We're not going to put on a show in our worship services. And we will reject the glitz and the hype. And the real indicator of where a person stands before God is in their vulnerability and their authenticity. That's what we're going after. Does that make sense? Can I get an amen? Amen. Hallelujah, Jesus. (laughs) When is fasting wrong? When we try to earn God's favor, I watch people do it all the time. I want to fast because I want God's favor. Isaiah, probably well over 2,700 years ago in his day and in today, it was marked by an attitude that if we do religious practices, if we pray a certain amount of time, if I read my Bible every morning, if I fast a certain amount of time, then I'll be accepted by God. That's not changed from Isaiah's day to our day, thousands and thousands of years Millenniums or whatever, it has not changed. Religious is an anxious attempt to gain God's favor. It's an anxious attempt. It's a last ditch. It's 
It's always going to be just people who are angry and contentious and divisive and, and, and anxious. That's the type of people that religion produces. It doesn't produce peace people or freedom people or, or kind people. It produces anxious, divisive, angry, contentious people. That's what religious done, religion does. So why have we fasted? Verse 3 of 58. Are we doing okay? Why have we fasted, they say, and you've not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you've not noticed it? Yet on the day of fasting, you did as you pleased and you exploit all your workers. Your feasting, your fasting, sorry, ends up in quarreling and strife and in striking each other with fists. And you cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Whenever you see a church filled with judgment and division, you will find at the foundation a lack of grace and a great deal of religion. Whenever you see a church that is filled with judgment and division, you will find at the foundation a lack of grace and a great deal of religion. That's what you find. Uh, I don't want it here. I'm not voting for that. See, when you base your acceptance with God upon your performance, I mean, just give up right there. Then you always look with disdain on someone else. Why? Because they're not performing a certain way that you would like them to perform because you're having to perform that way. That's what religion does. When you see judgmental people, they're, 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 they're I was going to say a bad word, they're peeved off. They're peeved off. And I get peeved off when I get religious because people are not acting in a particular way that I would like them to act because I'm performing well and they're not performing well. And therefore, we get judgmental, right? You see it in the workplace. But this is not the workplace. This is the family of God. This is the family of God. We're doing okay? Is it locking in? She's not paying attention. She says, if I use the word locked in this Sunday, she was, she was going to leave me. Is it locked in, guys? See, this was Jesus' accusation against the Pharisees in the, in the parable of the prodigal son, right? He talks about the older brother. This older brother was anxiously serving God. I felt sorry for the guy. He's anxiously trying to serve God, the Father, and he's trying to gain his Father's acceptance rather than relying on the Father's love for him. And he thought the reason why he deserved favor from the Father was because of his own moral efforts. His performance, he's doing well. His performance is high. His achievements are good. He's hitting the bar. He's knocking it out of the park. He's 10 out of 10. He's doing what he needs to do. And he's performing, performing, performing. He thinks the reason he deserves favor is because of his moral efforts. And he became, what does he become? In case you think I'm making this up. Judgmental. Have you read it? Yeah. Judgmental. What else? Angry. He is angry. You're doing all this for him? He prostituted himself? You're doing all this for him? And he's insecure. And this is the way we become when we try and do stuff in our own efforts. And, and so we become angry, judgmental. We become mechanical. We become insecure. We become rules and regulations people. We, don't, we, we stall and we, we hold life back from coming to ourselves and to others. That's what we do. We constantly try to boast our own sense of worthiness and pulling other people down. Have you found that? Have you done that? Oh, one honest person here today. I've done it. 
So can I ask you, and this, I don't want to sound harsh today. I want this to be just bathed in grace. Are you a gracious person? The reason why I might be doing well is because God's love has just invaded my heart. That's the only reason. So that's the only reason we, 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 it's the reason why we don't have to judge people or be, be divisive because it's not what people have done. It's just the fact that God's invaded people's hearts. Again, let me put it out there one more time. If you've not yet met Jesus or surrendered your yes to him, do it. He invades your life with a grace, not religion. He'll invade your life with grace, not harshness. Man, you need grace. How do you survive without Jesus? If you don't know him, I haven't a clue how you do life because I know that the only reason I'm effective, the only reason that I'm productive, the only reason that I'm fruitful in this life is because Jesus busted into my life years and years ago in Derry, stroke London Derry, in a bedroom in Lincoln Courts where I grew up in a Christian home and I surrendered my yes to Jesus. That's the only reason I'm standing here today. That's the only reason I have a healthy marriage. That's the only reason I love what I do is being a dad. That's the only reason why I'm successful in every sphere of my life when I am successful. It's only because Jesus busted into my bedroom. And I would encourage you, let him bust in. Let him bust in. God and his love busted in on me. And are you living from a place of reliance on God? It's just a question, but it needs answered. Okay, you may be thinking, I don't want to be religious. Therefore, I'm not fasting. I hear you, Jason. You, you guys are hilarious, right? Because you can make, so, I can say something and all of a sudden what I say is like, I was a court talk this morning. You know what Jason said this morning? Jason says this morning, it's not all about serving or volunteering. <laughs> Jason's right, you know. It's not just about giving your money. <laughs> what? Jason's right. You know, this, this fasting thing's a religious thing, and you don't want to be caught up in religion because Jason says it's harsh and it's critical, it's mechanical and everything else, and it makes you insecure and angry. You don't want to become one of them persons, so people. So therefore, let's not fast, but there is a good side of fasting. And for the next hour, I want to give you that this morning. And the reason I'm doing it, I'm giving you a gift so that you fast your lunch this afternoon. And there's nervous laughter trickling around the room. Verse 6, is this not the fast I have chosen? Here's, this is the vineyard verse. This is, this is vineyard church DNA, right? This is who we are. This is what we want to become. Here's the breakthrough message for us today. I want you to get excited about this. I want you to get excited about fasting. Is this not the kind of fast I have chosen? To loose the chains of injustice and to untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and to break every yoke. Amen. Hallelujah. That is the best news you can hear today. That is the best thing since sliced bread. That is so good. In verse 6, there are four terms that are used for setting people free. Isaiah speaks of loosened chains of injustice. Loosened chains of injustice and tying the cords off the yoke. Setting the oppressed free and breaking every yoke. What's not, like, what's not to like about Christianity? Tell me how that imposes on a nation. Tell me how that brings trouble and strife to countries. Tell me how that affects women in abusive relationships. Tell me how that would wreck a school playground. Tell me how that 
would ever endanger society. Tell me. Because he's a God of breakthrough. We're caught up in bondage all the time and we don't see it. And we're enslaved to, to the cell of the world and to the pitch of the world. And all the time, Jesus is wanting to break in. He's wanting to break in in this community and other communities here, near and far. And he wants to be part of it. He wants to be part of it. And he wants to join with us. And the reason why we want to fast as a church and why I want you to fast as people is so that we can hear the voice of God. And our fasting is not some religious form or mechanical thing, but it's a fasting that releases the oppressed and sees the breakthrough of God and God breaking every yoke. The gospel is not just a message of forgiveness. Trust in Jesus and you'll have your sins forgiven. It is that, but the gospel is also a message of freedom. It's a message of liberation. It's the kingdom of God, and it's all about people being set free and spreading the message of freedom to others. Thank you. Hallelujah. Go try it. There you go. You've heard me say it before, and let me say it time and time again. Christianity is not ticking the box to get into heaven. It's about a real life, vibrant relationship. The Christian message is when it really, it's practice that results in freedom and liberation for people, for people who are oppressed. I think this is one of the most powerful messages I've preached in a long time. Uh, it's not only social dimension, but it's also got a personal dimension. To many people are trapped by what Hebrews says that calls the sin that so easily entangles us. Is <laughs> what we would call today addictive behavior. We would use that sort of language. We would cozy it all up and make it sexy and cool and a bit more palatable. We would call it compulsive behavior. But it's sin. And it's there are many people who are trapped by addictions or compulsions, if you want to say that. And when Hebrews 12 talks about the sin that entangles us, it's not so much the occasional lapses or the, 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 the occasional uh, failures, because let's face it, uh, we all sin every day, right? Some of you are sinning right now saying, I wish you would shut up. You have a, a, a bad attitude towards me as a preacher. But I'm not talking about that. There are people trapped by addictions and compulsions. They're trapped by sin. And, and it is talking about the habitual behaviors in society habitual behaviors. It's something that regularly enslaves us. That's what I'm talking about. Well, the habitual behavior is an attitude, by the way. It's not, it's not always smoking, drinking, or chewing, chewing gum. Depending on what background you come from. Chewing, chewing gum is a very serious thing in some households. It's, it's about the attitude. It's about a behavior. It's a practice or, or even a way of thinking, guys. That's Stop being religious. It's more than the things that we do and the things that we don't do. It's actually the thoughts that we have in our head. Jesus talks about it all the time. He talks about, you know, you're looking good on the outside, but you're a mess on the inside. You're cleaning the cup on the outside, but it's not what is on the outside that defiles a man. It's what comes from the heart that defiles a person. So he's talking about more and more. He's talking about our attitudes, our, our behavior, uh, our practices, the way we think, the bondage that you, that you are in makes you feel like you will... That, yeah, that, it, 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 what bondage does, it makes us feel that we're taken away. The stuff's been taken away from us. That's what, that's what bondage always does. It never adds anything to our life. It never uh, enlarges our life. It never expands our life. It's always in an area where it seems to take us away. It, it's, it's like you're forced to play a game where you always lose. 
but you can't quit playing, right? You know Bet365? No, sorry, let me explain it to you. It's a betting uh, thing that comes on TV all the time. And, uh, if you watch football at all, Sky Sports, the thing will say, stop. Stop it when it's, when it's not, no longer fun. <laughs> okay, I'll do that. No longer fun, let's stop it. Uh, and that's the thing about addictions and about enslavement. You can't stop it when it's no longer fun. You, it takes you in a, as my friend Malcolm Hayes always talks about, it, it always takes us in, in one step beyond where we wanted to go. It, takes, it doesn't take us to the stop that we wanted to get off on. It, it always takes you further than you ever wanted to go. And that's what, that's what it does to our lives. It enslaves us and, and we want to quit but every time we're losing, but we can't quit and it's not fun. So what are we talking about by bondage? What am I talking about slavery? To alcohol, slavery to drugs, pornography, homosexual relationships. Talking about slavery and bondage to lying. Where people repeatedly lie every time you're, you, they're cornered. It's just, it's, it's just their natural defense. It's just lie, 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 lie. Bondage to anger. Self-pity, adultery, eating, masturbation. You try, but you simply can't break the control of it. You don't want to, but you feel like you just can't help it. The same lies in those times for those sins that are besetting us all the time, those habitual sins that they say, you know what they say to you? They say that you're part of us, you're trapped. Forget about it. There's no way out. Those habitual sins say that you, you can't break free. It doesn't matter what the Bible says. You're beat. It's not true. It's not true in your life. And Isaiah is saying, in times of bondage, have you considered fasting? Have you considered fasting? There's a story in the New Testament, I am finishing, finishing, where the disciples, Mark 9, are trying to chase a demon out of a boy, and they can't, and Jesus goes ahead, and he casts out the demon. Do you ever, do you ever read that? I always feel sorry for the disciples in that one. I was like, let me. They took a risk. They stepped out, and then they, it sort of backfired on them. Nothing happened. And the disciples ask, why can't we do it, Jesus? Jesus says, uh, the, Jesus says that the kind only comes out by prayer, and there are other some manuscripts copied to the original gospel of Mark that add the words, and fasting. Prayer and fasting. Uh, and it's quite clear that Mark didn't originally write that, but the, the kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. But the early church, they made an addition to the Mark's manuscript because the early church understood that there was a spiritual principle of fasting breaks bondages. It sets us free. And there's a spiritual principle that the early church was aware of. When you fast, you take mastery over your physical appetite. And this leads to mastery over your emotions and your spiritual appetite. And you know when you take control of something as basic as eating, you develop the strength. You develop the strength and the desire to take control of other areas in your life. Let me work this out for you because I really believe fasting is the only way a person can regain control of an out-of-control life. I do. See, the issue of bondage is what will control you. What will control you? Your appetites, sex, drink, anger, porn, shopping, people-pleasing, popularity. What is it? 
The issue of bondage is what will control you, your appetite or Jesus Christ. Your appetite or Jesus Christ. What is it that will control you? So what will fasting do? Fasting will help us wrestle for the control of our will again so that we line our will up with God's will. Is it all locked in? Let's stand. Let me give you something I think it's a helpful takeaway this morning for you. Uh, as we enter into the Easter um, story and to the cross and the power of the cross and of the resurrection to life, uh, I want us to, as a church, I'm putting this out here, there's no, um, nobody's going to be checking you or anything else, but as we come into what we call Holy Week or the last week of, of Easter, to prepare ourselves for breakthrough, I'm going to call the church fast. And we can, you can do that partially. You can fast your lunch, your breakfast. You can fast the whole day. You can fast longer than that. But what I want to say to you is this. Is as you surrender control of your physical appetite, you open the door for the release of Christ's power over the, every area of your life. That's what this is about. This might sound weird this morning. This might sound, you've never maybe heard this before, but we fast to feast on God and His power to break bondages. That's why we do it.